Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 193. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me once again is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. Let's get this over with. No, Pete, if you're going to say that, you got to say it with feeling. Let's get this over with. All right, good enough, good enough. <laughs> Regardless of that, we are back once again to talk about what is going on in the world of Nintendo. That means some game impressions, some news, and then this episode's big topic, which is what we would like to see in the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Season 2 DLC. However, before we get to that, we will kick things off with some game impressions, starting with Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX for Nintendo Switch. This is, of course, a thoroughly visually enhanced remake of the classic Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team and Blue Rescue Team from the DS and Game Boy Advance. This was one of the first, if not the first, games in the Pokemon franchise that let you play directly as a Pokemon instead of just a Pokemon trainer. And of course, it takes place in the Pokemon world. You live in a Pokemon village. You have Pokemon friends. All the Pokemon talk. So it is a pretty big departure from traditional Pokemon in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, not even that, but it looks like the art style is quite a bit different too, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have really gone in and enhanced the graphics for this remake on Switch. I mean, before the game was just, you know, your traditional pixel art, but they have really taken it to the next level with really fantastic watercolor style artwork for this version of the title. Also, this game is a pretty big departure gameplay wise from your average Pokemon game. You know, for all intents and purposes, this is a roguelike. You know, people have probably heard that term thrown around a lot. If you've ever wondered what a roguelike is, it is basically what you're getting here. And by that, I mean random dungeons, pseudo-turn-based action that the enemies only take actions when you do, you know. If you move or attack, they will get the chance to do the same. If you die, you lose all your money and items, you get sent back to the beginning. I mean, the main difference here is that you don't lose all your progress and revert back to level 1 when you die, so this might technically be more of a roguelite game than a roguelike, but still, most of those aspects are in here. I see what you did there. Yep, that's what they call them. <laughs> With that said, there is a lot of stuff in here that makes this game unique compared to other roguelike and other mystery dungeon sorts of games, you know, not the least of which is that it does have a lot of traditional Pokemon aspects incorporated into the gameplay. What do you mean? Like what? Well, for instance, you do still have a variety of moves with various attributes, some of which are super effective or not very effective, depending on your adversary. And you do get to have multiple Pokemon party members, which you can switch to at any time so you can control the one that's best suited for the job at hand. Of course, there are several different Pokemon you can choose to play from right from the beginning, and you can also choose your partner Pokemon. Personally, I went with a Charmander, and then I chose a Bulbasaur as my partner. I named him Pete. <laughs> now, I haven't really played too far into this game, to be honest. I've only played to the end of the demo, but I actually have enjoyed those early levels a lot more than I expected. You know, nothing about it really grabbed me and shook me and said, hey, this game is really fantastic. You've got to go out and buy this one at your permanent library outside of those fantastic visuals that we already talked about. But, you know, I really was surprised at how much I enjoyed the game. Both the main missions and side missions were pretty fun, if a bit on the easy side so far, and the story, which has this big mystery of why you're a Pokemon in the first place, is pretty engaging. You know, later on, 
I'm afraid it could get kind of grindy. That's what tends to happen with games of these types. But for now, I am enjoying it. I like the cuteness of it. I like the look of it. I like just wandering around and fighting these other Pokemon and knocking them unconscious. So I would like to pick up the full game, give it a go, dig a little deeper, uh, pun intended, I guess. And the fact that it has its hooks into me at this point was not really something I expected, and I definitely consider it a good thing. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit of shame that I haven't played through the demo yet because it's literally just sitting on my console, but... Uh... Yeah, and you're such a huge Pokemon fan. I figured you'd want to check it out right away. Well, you know, the graphics, I think, more than anything, have me sort of drawn in. But like you said, I'm not the biggest fan of this style of game. I feel like, you know, it can get, like you said, a little grindy. That being said, you know, the fact that you're telling me that it got some hooks in you. It yeah, it definitely does. Makes me want to try it out. Well, you know, like you said, the demo was there. It's free for everyone to try out. And I certainly enjoy it a lot more than I was expecting. Is it a keeper? You know, that... I don't have anything to say about that just yet, but I do like what I've played so far, and I'm looking forward to playing it more, given the chance. Yeah, I guess that's me too. I need to play it at all. <laughs> Indeed you do. Now, another game I've been playing on Switch is a title called Murder by Numbers, which comes to us from Mediatronic and the Irregular Corporation. Yeah, this one, I actually, when I saw it, I thought, you know, this looks right up your alley. Yeah, when they showed it at the Indie Showcase several months back, I certainly thought it could be something that I was interested in. It is basically Picross combined with a murder mystery game, and you are right, that is totally up my alley. So you get to explore crime scenes, talk to NPCs, obtain evidence, sort of like in Phoenix Wright, but then you also get to play lots and lots of Picross puzzles. <laughs> Which are totally your cup of tea. Yes, as I mentioned last week, that's basically my favorite type of puzzle game. So, yeah, it is very much something that I was interested in. And what do you think? Does it live up to the hype? I don't know if there's a lot of hype surrounding it, but <laughs> I'm certainly enjoying what I'm playing so far. The game is very interesting from many perspectives, including its story and setting. It actually takes place in the 1990s Los Angeles, and you play as a character named Honor, who is an actress-turned-amateur detective who meets this floating analysis robot, and then they get caught up in a series of mysterious crimes connected to both of their pasts. Oh, yeah, I knew a few uh, analysis robots. Oh yeah, the 90s were a crazy time. Anyway, the writing is pretty solid. They include a lot of actual pop culture references from the 90s. They name drop, like, actual things and places and people, unlike a lot of games that just <laughs> use similar names to sort of create an allusion to those things. But this time they actually just go ahead and full-out name drop it. They probably assume not that many people would play it, so they wouldn't get sued, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the law is on their side, but it seems most companies just tend to play it safe. <laughs> I found the characters in this game to be fairly interesting. Many of them have a lot of depth to them, although there are a lot of times when the characters also aren't very appealing, so that's sort of a mixed bag there. The game can also kind of get heavy-handed with its moralizing, which isn't really a bad thing, but it has all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. <laughs> so overall, I would say it's no Ace Attorney in the story department, but it's also not bad. Visually, the art is pretty striking, but the characters move like cardboard cutouts, and that kind of detracts from the presentation. Games like Ace Attorney and Professor Layton don't have fully animated characters either, but they kind of just hide it in a better way so it doesn't look like a sock puppet theater. <laughs> Fortunately, you know, that's not especially important to the game of this type, but still, I did find it kind of distracting. Hmm. 
And then, you know, as far as the gameplay goes, you know, you do get to investigate the crime scenes with a, you know, point and click interface. Then you find objects and analyze them. And that comes in the form of these Picross puzzles. And each puzzle you solve reveals a new clue, which you can then present to suspects or witnesses to get new information and advance the story. There's a pretty good variety in the Picross puzzles. They come in a variety of shapes and sizes. You know, the real early easy ones are like 5x5 five five or 5x10, five but then you get 10x10, 15x15, and some of them are also these time challenges, which can get to be pretty tough, even for someone like me who's pretty experienced with Picross. Like, you have to solve four puzzles within a minute, which is pretty wow. darn nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one was tough. But overall, I have no complaints about the Picross. It's all very competent. It controls well. You know, seeing the answers turn into clues is always quite satisfying. You know, I inherently find Picross to be enjoyable and rewarding. And in this game, it delivers exactly the kind of puzzle gameplay I would expect. Apparently, there is a hint system and easy mode if you're a newcomer, but I have not tried those features out yet. So the controls, are you able to choose between touchscreen or, you know, manual? As far as I can tell, it is traditional controls only, but so far, they've been working great. No complaints from me. All right. Well, interesting nonetheless. That aside, I would say that so far, the game is totally living up to its promise of combining Picross with a murder mystery. They're both things I really like. The game is well-made, and it's fun, and I kept finding myself saying, oh, I'll turn this off after just one more puzzle or one more witness testimony or something like that and then after that i end up playing like another hour or two it is that kind of game so if you have those same kinds of interests that i do i absolutely would recommend checking this one out <laughs> i mean you really can't go wrong with picross if you're into it so just anything on top of that sounds like a kind of an intriguing story yeah that's pretty much my opinion as well i'm digging it so far that's all we've got as far as impressions go this week so why don't we move along to some news First up in the news this week, there is some big news going on with E3, and that is, there is no E3 this year. It's been canceled. Holy snaky. Yeah, this is a true shocker indeed. You know, I have been to 21 E3s in a row. This would have been my 22nd, and you know, this is basically the only way to stop me from going. <laughs> yeah, because of the current health scare going on, there is no E3 2020, and I am still kind of just blown away that this is happening. You know, E3 might not be as significant as it once was, but it was still always great, especially for Nintendo fans, and it really set the tone for the entire gaming industry. Yeah, it is pretty mind-blowing that this isn't happening this year. I would like to make a joke that I was like, yeah, I masterminded this whole thing so you couldn't go, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I digress. Even you have better taste than that, huh? Right, it's true. Maybe, that's questionable. <laughs> but regardless of that, you know, I'm sure Nintendo is still going to have their E3 Direct, whatever they decide to call it now, around that time. But, you know, for me, it was a lot more than just the presentation or even a show that allowed me to go hands-on with the future of gaming, you know. It was the one chance I had each year to reconnect with friends and companies and colleagues. I'm definitely going to miss that. You know, I'm sort of kind of afraid that it might not ever come back, considering the way that things have been going with the show in general. But then again, E3 did recover from that catastrophic year in Santa Monica. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe everything will turn out okay in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at it. One is from a fan perspective. And, you know, obviously everyone's a little bit bummed out that if you were planning on going, you know, it is a bummer. Or as well as, you know, just 
seeing all of these presentations that just won't be happening now. I mean, they may be happening in some form, but not... Well, I'm sure they're still going to be happening. Not to the, you know, fanfare that it typically is. And I'm not just talking about Nintendo, just in general. On top of that, though, I think the other part of it is that, you know, there's a lot of game developers out there that are not giant. And, you know, they rely on these, like, happenstance meetings. They have some conversation with a publisher, and their game gets picked up. And honestly, I think that that is probably the biggest kind of pitfall that the industry is facing right this moment with the cancellation of this. I think that in general, you know, all these other things, these presentations can all kind of be done a different way. You know, if Nintendo wanted, they could even release demos of all the games they show, just like they do on the show floor. <laughs> they could. They absolutely could. And something I've been saying they should do for years. But, uh, <laughs> will this be the year? Will this cause to happen? I don't know. We'll probably still have to line up at Best Buy or something. Right. And then I think your other valid concern is that, yeah, I mean, it is possible that, like, with everyone staying indoors and being sort of isolated, I could imagine, you know, this being a record year for video games. And they're like, well, why do we even pay all this money for E3 in the first place? But I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, we will definitely have to see how things go from here. Moving along to some more positive news. We found out from the folks at Capcom that DuckTales Remastered is back. Woo! Yeah. Um, again, now I have to do my disclaimer that I work for WayForward, who was the developer on this title, but I have absolutely zero insights on Capcom's dealings with Disney and why it went away and why it came back, but it's pretty clear that they have renewed their license in some fashion, and I'm just happy because it is an awesome game, and now people can play it once again, and that includes on Wii U. You know, I've called it one of the best games on that system, and I continue to stand by that. It's a fantastic platformer and a great remake of the NES original. And if you have an opportunity to play this game or buy this game, you absolutely should. Will anything else happen from here? Will it possibly come to other systems like, you know, Switch or something? I have absolutely zero idea, but man, I hope so. That would be fantastic. Hmm. If only I knew somebody that worked a way forward. (laughs) If I knew, and I 100% do not, (laughs) I definitely wouldn't tell you. Ah, you son of a... (laughs) But yeah, from a fan's perspective, I'm just glad that this game is having another chance. Ah, me too. If you have not played it before, you know, go out, grab it, play it on Wii U or whatever else you can get your mitts on because it is excellent. Yep. And Hoppin won't stop talking about it. (laughs) And speaking of fantastic collaborations, the folks at Nintendo and the Lego Company have announced that there will be Super Mario Lego sets coming later this year. Uh, have you seen these videos, Chris? Like, Yes, <laughs> I have seen the videos, and you know, it's not really what I was expecting, you know? <laughs> Instead of creating, like, scenes from the games, you're basically building these very, very simple stages, and they have stuff like question mark blocks and pipes and moving platforms and enemies like Goombas and Piranha Plants, and you move a Mario figure through this stage sort of like a board game. But... The construction of this stage just seems so, you know, basic. And the figures of Mario and his enemies like Bowser Jr. aren't, you know, these traditional minifigs. They're kind of weird looking, you know, these custom (laughs) designs. They're sort of somewhere between Mario and somewhere between Lego, but not really either one. Yeah, it's true. Not at all what I was expecting. That being said, you know, it does look like there's some promise. But, you know, I'm not really sure that you or I are the target market for this (laughs) in particular thing that they're creating here. But yes, I get that feeling as well. It certainly (laughs) seems to be aimed 
at the younger set, which is weird because a lot of times Legos are kind of like aimed at you know anybody, any age from like you know five to ninety five. Right. And so is Mario for that matter. So it seems like kind of a weird way to go. Although I will point out, I love the fact that the Mario figurine kind of looks like the toy Mario from Super Mario Land 2. <laughs> You're right. It does kind of. I will say, though, that regardless of what it is, I will probably buy it and give it a shot. <laughs> Interesting. I just feel like that's probably most people's, you know, maybe I'm anticipating too much, but I think that that is probably pretty likely that people will buy this. It will be sold out. Like, I just can't imagine it not selling, regardless of what they're doing. Well, personally, I don't think I'm going to get this one. I'm fairly disappointed in what we've seen. I was thinking that a Super Mario Lego collaboration could be really, really cool, but, uh, you know, not in this way. You know, if they made something like Peach's Castle or Bowser's Castle or another castle, see what I did there? Mm -hmm. Or like a Koopaling airship or some Mario Kart vehicles or, you know, the Odyssey or, heck, even New Donk City or the construction site from the original Donkey Kong, I will be all in on that but uh, this thing with its weird uh, interactive electronic mario component and the way he's collecting coins and just sort of going through it like a board game i don't think this is for me yeah don't get me wrong it's not the lego set that i wanted but i think it is the lego set you deserve uh, well hopefully we will get more stuff that's more up my alley down the road because you know i think there's a lot of promise here but this you know this just ain't it not for me anyway yeah fair enough Anyway, moving along to another unique interpretation of a classic video game series, the Castlevania TV show Season 3 is now out on Netflix. Ah, yeah. Have you given it a watch? I haven't watched through the whole thing yet. I've only seen the first three episodes, but it does indeed pick up right after Season 2, so it's kind of an epilogue to the events of Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse, and then sort of moves into the territory of Castlevania Curse of Darkness, which was the 3D Castlevania game for PlayStation 2. And, you know, in that game, Hector the Demon Forge Master was the main character, but so far in this show, Hector's in jail... And Trevor and Sypha and Alucard all still have very, very prominent roles. Like I said, I'm only three episodes in, but so far it is pretty good, even if you know there has been a lot of uh, slow-moving talking parts and uh, not quite as much action as I'd like. Uh, regardless, I am enjoying it so far. Yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with the series up to this point, and I hope that that continues in this one. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoyed Season 1 Season 2, I think you're going to enjoy this. So far, just delivering very much the exact same kind of themes and action and drama. Uh, also in this one, be on the lookout, there's a scene where they discuss flaming demon goat poop. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw you tweet about that. Yes, yes I did. <laughs> Please look forward to it. <laughs> Will do. And that is all we have for the news for this episode. So why don't we open up the mailbag and answer a few listener letters. Our first letter comes from Name Chaibadi, and I really apologize if I have butchered your name, but uh, this person writes in and says, Hey pros, I'm a librarian and I was just put in charge of video game purchases. We have a lot of Nintendo Switch staples at this point, and my budget allows for me to buy more than just new releases, so I was wondering if there were any cool indie games or third-party games that I should order. I know Limited Run Games is kind of a go-to spot for physical games I might not see anywhere else, but do you have any specific recommendations? 
Remember, listeners, you can use your local library to check out or request a variety of video games, including ones that make you think, oh, I'll go buy that game later. And that's a tip straight from this library pro. Thanks a lot for the podcast. Wow, this is a cool letter. Yeah, for sure. I didn't realize you could rent games from a library. Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them do. It shows you how often I go into a library. <laughs> well, maybe now you'll go in more often, huh? I might just have to. So do you have any suggestions? You know, this is so open-ended, but of course, you know, they mentioned limited run games. I would almost say that if you haven't picked it up, Golf Story is a no-brainer. Oh, that's a good one. That one has actually been readily available at Best Buy, so I actually might be able to find that one still, yeah. All right. And maybe The Messenger, is that available physically? Yes, yes it is, and that's one I would certainly recommend as well. I mean, the problem with a lot of these indie physical releases, especially from Limited Run, is that they are super limited, and if you don't get them right at launch or pre-order beforehand, you might never be able to get them. Plus, there are just you know, so many these days, it's kind of hard to keep track of them all, but you know, that aside, I would totally agree with you, Pete. I think The Messenger is a great pick. Golf Story is a great pick. I would also suggest Iconoclast, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, Axiom Verge, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, River City Girls, which, yes, again, is made by Way Forward. <laughs> and then a couple third-party games I would think would work really well, you know, and especially a library, you know, would be some of the visual novels that are out there. And I would say some great ones to start with would be Steins Gate Elite. And then, well, I guess this one isn't really a visual novel, but it has a lot of that same DNA, and that is AI The Somnium Files. Those are both really cool games that are more laid back, they involve a lot of text and reading, and I think those would be really cool, good third-party editions. Oh, I would also recommend Undertale. Oh, yeah, that's a great choice as well. Sweet. Do we just agree on something again? (laughs) Yeah, it happens from time to time. On to our next letter. This one comes from Brian Bedroth, don't call him Booth, and he writes, Hey guys, Really enjoyed the Mario 3 episode, and it was cool to hear a spotlight on such a classic game. It really made me appreciate it even more for its place in gaming. I know it was a groundbreaker when it comes to world maps and platforming, but I hadn't thought about the fact that it also helped pioneer the themed worlds concept that is such a big deal in the genre. I recently heard about a Twitter account that you guys might be interested in. It's called the Art of Nintendo Power. This guy is a private collector who has amassed a wealth of NP paraphernalia that should excite any fan of the magazine. It's cool that all this stuff is actually up for some kind of display and not just sitting in a closet somewhere. You can find it at twitter.com slash artofnp. Man, that's where all that stuff that we had in the closet at Nintendo Power disappeared to. Yeah, I know. We just went and checked one day and suddenly, poof, it was totally empty. Can't believe this is where it's been all that time. I'd been wondering about that for years. Yeah, what a jerk, man. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> We're totally kidding, of course. That was way, way, way before our time. Way before. The letter continues, The VG Embassy podcast that I recently guested on is going to be celebrating episode 50 soon with a trip down memory lane, playing music inspired by their favorite old issues of gaming magazines. The host, Ed, is a big Nintendo fan, and I'm sure that Nintendo Power is going to be mentioned several times. I also recently launched my own VGM podcast, which you can find on YouTube. The channel is VGM Very Good Music. Thanks for continuing to give us quality content and keep playing with power. Well, thanks, Bedroth. Yes, thanks for continuing to ride in, and uh, thanks for those pointers, for sure. Yeah, I will definitely be checking those out. Yeah, have you seen this stuff? There's all kinds of, uh, you know, crazy uh, models from the early days, you know, when we had, you know, actual physical constructs used for the covers of, you know, like those first, uh, you know, 12 or 25 issues or whatever. Lots of interesting things. No, but I need to find this guy so I can sell him my Star Fox statue and my Star Fox 64 bomber jacket. (laughs) He might take it. I don't know. (laughs) 
All right, that is all we have for our letters for this week. So let's close up the mailbag, then take an intermission, and then we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, which is the characters we want to see in the Super Smash Brothers. Um, hey, Chris. Yes? You might have forgotten something. Uh, did I? What would that be? There's a segment we do called Hassle the Huff. Uh, yes. Man, I almost got away with it, too. <laughs> I would have if it hadn't been for those kids and their dog. Okay. All right. What do you have for me this week, Pete? I feel like I sniped you on the finish line. Yep, you really did. <laughs> well, as you said earlier, let's get this over with. <laughs> Dear Video Game Professor Hoffman. Yes? With a game like DuckTales, which basically disappeared because of licensing issues, all but vanished from playable consoles, what other game has vanished in the same way that you would like a chance to play again on modern consoles? Oh, well, Pete, that is a very easy question for me. I am going to go with almost any entry in Konami's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. Mmm, that's a good one. I am a huge fan of those games going way back. I was never actually much of a Ninja Turtles fan in general. I wasn't really big on the franchise, but man, did I love those games. I especially loved the first arcade game and then the port, which came out on the NES as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. That one was followed up by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project. And then, best of all, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, which was a port of the second arcade game. And the Super NES version of that was even better than the arcade version. It had new levels, and it had new bosses, and was just overall a more satisfying experience. And of course, you know, Konami no longer has the rights to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, they did sort of get them back for a time. We actually got the first NES Ninja Turtles game on Virtual Console on Wii, but it was just the first one, which is, you know, totally terrible. <laughs> but, uh... I would love for them to find a way to get those sequels, you know, 2, 3, and 4, and probably a lot of the other games, too. You know, it had some great titles on the Game Boy as well. I would love to see all of those make a comeback and uh, arrive once again on modern gaming systems such as the Switch. That would be my choice. It is a shame that those games have been lost to time due to licensing. I would love to see them come back. Man, yeah, if they could do something like the uh, Konami collections they've done for uh, Contra and Castlevania, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and they actually have brought back the arcade games as, you know, a standalone machine from Arcade 1-Up, which I talked about on our holiday show. And if there's a way to bring those to consoles as well, that would be fantastic. Pete, what about you? Yeah, I think mine would have to be Tetris DS. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, you know, that one was one of the best Tetris entries, at least in, you know, recent years, if not... Oh, I would say it was the best Tetris version ever, if, really. If not of all time, yes. Except for my Pokemon Shock Tetris, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, that one came out for the DS, obviously. It was around for like a year or two, and then poof, just totally vanished, presumably because they no longer had the Tetris license anymore. But yeah, that would be a great one to see come back and arrive on you know any system really because yeah that was a fantastic game for sure yeah especially with the online all right well if that answers your question yes that was satisfactory then i guess we shall move on to our intermission and then we come back we'll discuss this week's big topic which is our character choices for the super smash brothers ultimate season two dlc
Alright, we are back and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is our choices for the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighters Pass 2 DLC. It wasn't that long ago that the fifth character, Byleth, came out to end the Season 1 DLC, but at that time, Sakurai announced there was going to be a Season 2 with six brand new characters added to the roster. And of course, we couldn't resist jumping in with our picks for what we would like these six characters to be. Yeah, I feel like we did pretty good on the first go-round. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had some of those choices make it into the game. And, uh, you know, we're not really setting up too many strict rules here for uh, our character picks this time. But we're kind of going to follow the same rough guidelines that Season 1 sort of had, which is that we want characters that are sort of representative of this love letter to gaming history that Smash Brothers is all about. You know, we want these characters to have some level of mass appeal. Ideally, they would appeal to a wide audience. And ideally, they would be from new franchises that aren't currently represented in Super Smash Brothers. Obviously, only four of those five characters met that criteria last time. But, uh, you know, what the heck? Sakurai plays by his own rules. So with that in mind, let us jump into this week's discussion. And I am going to start it off. My first choice is Ryu Hayabusa from the Ninja Gaiden series from Tecmo. Oh, man, that's a good one. Yeah, I feel like this is one of the biggest Japanese companies out there to not have any representation as a playable character so far. So I would love to see Ryu be in there. I'd like to see him mostly be based on the classic NES Ninja Gaiden character, but I also wouldn't mind if some of the moves and alternate costumes came from the more modern version as well. I'd like for a lot of his special moves to be based off of the power-ups in the NES game. So like the windmill throwing star, the fire wheel, the spinning death slash, whatever you call it. You know, maybe he could even create those shadow clones that mimicked his actions in a couple of the Ninja Gaiden games. Also, I would love to see it incorporate his wall climb too, since that was such a big aspect of the character. And as far as his stage goes, I kind of think maybe the scene at the end of Act 5 where he fights Bloody Moth at the top of these ancient ruins would be a really, really good fit for Smash Brothers. Would there be birds on the level that would, like, cheap shot you at every chance? Uh, obviously. <laughs> okay, makes sense. I like that. I think his final Smash could have him, like, you know, a quick cut scene with just, like, him speaking with ellipses. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a cutscene, you know, from the beginning of the game where like, you know, jumps towards the camera and slashes like that, just inflicts massive damage. Although I guess that wasn't Ryu, that was like his dad, that opening cutscene. But still, you know, something really cool and cinematic would be really, really neat now that you mention it. I like it, Chris. Good choice. All right. Well, cross my fingers for that. What do you have, Pete? <laughs> I think for me, this is pretty much shooting fish in a barrel. But you know, I really want the fans to have Waluigi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see that as definitely being a legitimate choice, for sure. 
You know, and as much as he's a character that is sort of on my list, I just think that you're totally doing a disservice. I think that it'd be really funny if they saved him for the sixth and final character, just so that it's like, oh, well, now it's complete (laughs) and everything's in there. I thought maybe they were going to do that last time, you know, when they announced Bible. I thought, oh, that would be a great place to put in Waluigi or some, you know, heavily demanded fan favorite character. But uh, nope, didn't happen then. Yeah, well, thank goodness Byleth is not our last character. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But yeah, for obvious reasons, I mean, you know, you have Wario, you have Luigi. Why not have Waluigi? You know, he's been in enough games. He's been in, you know, you could literally leverage any of those things. He could have a tennis racket. He could run you over with a cart. He could run you over the cart. He could roll dice or something out of Mario Party. I don't know. They could make a little <laughs> joke out of it because that's the games that he's always in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think that in general, Waluigi deserves his place in the world of Smash. Yeah, I can't really argue with you there. I do like the idea of getting a hotly demanded character into the game like that. You know, some people will say, well, there's no way he can be in there because he's already in there as an assist trophy. But I feel like Sakurai plays by his own rules. If he suddenly (laughs) decides that he wants to have Waluigi both a playable and an assist trophy, I think that's totally fine. And besides, you can be playing as eight versions of the same character in there currently. So how's that any different from a character that's both playable and an assist trophy? It's probably not. I think it's just all up to Sakurai at this point. Right. I could even see something where, like, when you're playing a match with Waluigi as a player, you can't have the Waluigi assist trophy. That's right. You wouldn't want to have a ninth Waluigi in there. That'd just be crazy. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Well, moving along to my next pick, I am going with Scorpion from the Mortal Kombat franchise. Oh, look at you. This one, of course, representing Midway, Gone But Not Forgotten. Yeah, I mean, there are tons of characters in the Mortal Kombat franchise, and I think it's a series that's big enough to absolutely get some representation. But I feel like, you know, for the casual Mortal Kombat fan, who do you remember the most? There's nothing more iconic than that get over here and a bloody uppercut so you know i feel like scorpion would definitely be the one to get that nod over someone like raiden or Liu kang or sub-zero or goro heck i don't even remember really the other moves scorpion can do in that game or that anybody can do in that game but you know that grappling hook man that is very very iconic and i feel like mortal kombat deserves to be in there just as much as fatal fury and uh, Scorpion could totally hang out there with Ryu and Ken and Terry Bogard. <laughs> and, you know, this would totally be like delivering a dream match for fighting game players all over the world. You know, finally letting these 90s franchises, you know, you got Terry, you got Ryu, you got Scorpion, Mortal Kombat, SNK, Street Fighter, all duking it out at once. That would be totally awesome. And if that's not a love letter to gaming and players everywhere, I don't know what would be. You know, you could make the argument, oh, well, that's an M-rated franchise. But, you know, you've had Mortal Kombat characters go out there and fight everyone in the DC universe. So I'm sure <laughs> if there's a way to do that, there's a way to get Scorpion into the confines of the rules of Smash Brothers. I think it'd be great. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think in our last episode that we talked about this, I mentioned Sub-Zero as being the character I would choose. I just like the fact that he would add like a freezing technique to it. Mm-hmm-hmm. But I also, Scorpion is like right there neck and neck for me. Well, maybe Sub-Zero could be the Echo Fighter. Who knows? That's right. Makes sense. But I totally agree with you. I think Mortal Kombat deserves its place, its weird place in the fighting game world. And it definitely deserves to be in the world of Smash. Yeah, I mean, it might have less of a chance on other franchises because it is North American based rather than Japanese. But still, I think it would be great to see it in there. What's next for you? 
For me, this one is kind of an orthodox pick. I think I was just trying to imagine like what games really made a mark on me when I was younger and are not in Smash. And the one that came to my mind that's best known for arcades really is Dirk the Daring from Dragon's Lair. Interesting, interesting. I would not have thought that one. Now, I don't want to bring another character into Smash that has a sword (laughs) (laughs) for obvious reasons. I feel like Sakurai was just complaining about that recently. So I think his chances are probably pretty slim. But I just thought it would be really cool if they had this character that's like, you know, 2D animated. And maybe the gameplay is literally like there's a series of colors around the screen that you just have to like execute your move towards. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're playing eight player, be different colors for each player. Probably terrible for colorblind folks. But yeah, I have a hard time seeing that playing out during normal gameplay, but like during the final smash, if you like have to enter a certain directional sequence to make it, uh, <laughs> you know, properly attack all your enemies, that would be totally awesome. Yeah, I just thought, you know, it is kind of a cool character that hasn't really been explored in a long time. He's definitely been on Nintendo platforms, but I think he deserves a place in the annals of gaming. Well, you are correct. It was definitely an orthodox, unexpected pick. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, my next choice is a lot more modern than that. I am going with Sora from the Kingdom Hearts series. This would be another representative of Square Enix. But I spent the better part of last year playing through the most recent Kingdom Hearts game. And uh, man, it really does feel like such a huge franchise with such great production values really belongs in Smash Brothers in some way, shape, or form. Also, he's just a really fun character to play. I feel like he would be able to move very fast, have a lot of really great juggling abilities. You know, obviously the Keyblade would be his main weapon, but, you know, he has a lot of access to magic abilities as well. And I could see him, like, switching through multiple Keyblades that could, you know, maybe change his character abilities, maybe even change the look of his character as well, and would just allow him to unleash a whole variety of attacks. You know, I really wouldn't want any Disney characters to get involved, but, you know... (laughs) If his friends like Kyrie and Riku and Roxas decide to join in for his final smash, that would be pretty darn cool as well. Yeah, there's a lot of directions they could go with the final smash. But for me, I think Sora, yeah, totally makes sense. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised he hasn't already been in it. Probably a licensing nightmare. Probably. I'm also surprised that they haven't somehow gotten Kingdom Hearts to switch somehow. Just given. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a 3DS game and... DS game and GBA games for crying out loud. Right. But perhaps this is a, you know, an E3 surprise. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. So what's next for you? Up next for me, I've said this before, but I still kind of stand by this. And I think his impact on gaming is profound. And that is Master Chief. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just think he's such a different character from everything else that you've seen in Smash so far. He's from the future. He has cool grenades with cool effects. He has a sword and a gun and a rocket launcher and a, you know, you name it. He's got dual pistols. He could even have a little bit of a hover action. I just think that if you could bring Master Chief into Smash, it just kind of makes things pretty cool. And you could imagine a level for him being pretty awesome with like a big halo in the distance. Maybe the Warthog is part of the final Smash. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Hmm, interesting. I mean, it's not out of the question, given Nintendo's collaborations with Microsoft in the past, but uh, I would certainly consider that one a long shot as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah, certainly a lot of people out there would probably enjoy it. 
Yeah, more than anything, I would just want to see that level played and what it looks like and how it looks in the game. Basically, I'd like to see what Halo looks like through the lens of Smash Brothers. Mm -hmm. Well, I too am interested in seeing a character that has uh, knives and guns and rocket launchers joining in on the fray. But uh, for me, that character is Chris Redfield from the Resident Evil series. Ah, all right. I mean, this is a series that actually does have a little bit of representation. There are some Resident Evil spirits in the game now, even though I totally missed them because I wasn't playing during the weekend they had that event. But, you know, I would love to see RE get in there with some playable characters as well. And, you know, I definitely do see Chris being a projectile-heavy character. Like I said, the rocket launcher, the shotgun, lots of other firearms. I could definitely see him using a knife for up-close combat. Maybe he could even take some inspiration from Resident Evil's appearance in Marvel vs. Capcom and, like, you know, six zombies on his opponents. <laughs> That'd be a sweet final smash. Maybe his uh, down special would be to, you know, quickly grow and consume healing herbs to, you know, recover some strength or something <laughs> like that. And, of course, I would love to see other Resident Evil characters be represented as well, either as alternate outfits or maybe just you know the color of his costume could pay homage to these other characters and then you know again there could be echo fighter possibilities having leon or jill or someone as an echo fighter i'm looking at you barry burton <laughs> we can only hope we can only hope well let us move along to uh, your next pick pete yeah my choice is right along those guidelines too but from a female perspective oh yeah that would be none other than laura croft ah interesting that's actually the next one i've got on my list too oh look at that yeah, I just think, you know, there aren't a ton of female characters in Smash. No, we really didn't get any in that last batch of DLC, unless you count, you know, the alternate version of Byleth. Yeah, and Laura Croft is a total badass. Yeah, I mean, I would say she is still arguably the biggest female character in all of gaming. And if that doesn't make her qualified for being in Super Smash Brothers, heck, I don't know what does. Yeah, and then you combine it with all of her weapons and abilities, which are pretty massive you know bow and arrow yep guns rocket launchers yeah and she's very acrobatic as well totally you can totally imagine like a grappling hook recovery mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to see her use her uh, climbing claws in some fashion whether it's for actual climbing or just as like some nasty melee weapon yeah and then of course you know a level straight out of you know some temple makes perfect sense to me as well yeah, I always think this would be a great opportunity to have one of those really big, wide open levels. Like part of it would be a lush jungle environment, like over a waterfall, mm -hmm. you know, probably a downed plane, like in the background, maybe it would be slowly going down the waterfall or something. And then right. you know, part of the level would be like a tomb area and it's all filled with booby traps, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but yeah, I think they could do a lot of really, really cool stuff with that stage if they had uh, Laura Croft in the game. Yeah, she was one of the characters I picked last time for DLC. She's the only one I'm choosing again for season two but uh, yeah i think she totally deserves it yeah i think she definitely deserves the nod okay so for my last pick here this one going to be a little bit more obscure than my previous choices i am going with billy and jimmy lee from the double dragon series oh boy yeah this is a bit of a deep cut and if you weren't around in the 80s or 90s you're probably saying who the heck are these guys <laughs> and like i said they're easily my most obscure choice here but much like terry bogart these are characters that were huge back in the day and as sakurai has proven obscure doesn't necessarily mean they are off limits we recently saw some other classic technos characters from the river city series appear as spirits 
and the Double Dragon series was probably even more impactful than River City ever was, especially in arcades. So as far as making an impact on gaming, I think these guys are totally worthy. And they already have a great moveset. You know, they have their trademark spin kick. They have that awesome rising knee attack from Double Dragon 2. And I can see them having some great counterattacks as well based on the moves they were able to do in Super Double Dragon. You know, part of me says, oh, I'd love to see both of these guys be individual characters. You know, one would be the Echo Fire, the other. But let's be honest, they are twins. They would probably have identical movesets. <laughs> so it would really make more sense for them to just be you know, alternate costumes for one another. So you could incorporate both Billy and Jimmy and even Bimmy into just one character. <laughs> Bimmy? <laughs> yeah, you know Bimmy. Good old cousin Bimmy. Oh, right. Good old cousin Bimmy. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> and I'd love to see like a Double Dragon Dojo be their stage to fight in as well. I think they could do lots of cool stuff there, even if no one remembers who these guys are. But heck, with that uh, recent Double Dragon collection that came out on Switch, as well as a couple of the games being available in the uh, NES Switch Online selection, eh, maybe people do remember after all. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I will say that Double Dragon does seem to be a glaring, you know, absence from the smash brothers lineup yeah i mean technos was a big deal back in the day and you know having river city in there is a good start but i think double dragon would be even better yeah of course all right well my final choice as you know a smash brothers representative would be battletoads oh all right interesting interesting i hadn't thought of that but yeah in fact they were good friends with the double dragons back <laughs> in the day. i was gonna say it's kind of funny but yeah that actually would make sense Maybe they can be Echo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, you know, there were three of them, Zitz, Pimple, and Rash. Yep, the amphibian skin ailments. Yep, you know, the game came out around, you know, late 80s, early 90s. 1991, I believe. Yeah, and you know, and now that Banjo-Kazooie proved that the relationship with Rare isn't quite as tarnished as it once was, it feels like Battletoads is a definitely a possibility, and they also just seem like they'd be, you know hilarious as far as characters to bring back i think more than anything i just would look forward to the announcement where it's like one of the cutscenes from battletoads only it's like oh hey did you see this invite from somebody and all of a sudden it's like an invitation to smash well i have to say that is a pretty deep cut there but you know given that microsoft is bringing back battletoads on xbox they're trying to revive the series, you know? Who knows? Who knows? It's not totally crazy. They are not quite as obscure as they once were. So who the heck knows? Yeah, and I think that between maybe some warp bike action is like a forward and B. If you did that move, you should just automatically die yourself. That's all that should happen. If you have a warp <laughs> bike, you just automatically die. <laughs> but uh... I've played that game. I know how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's like a forward and B move. And then I don't even have any idea what their final smash would be other than just like throwing the opponent at the screen. But they did have a lot of really cool moves. You know, they're like their fists would grow, their feet would grow. When they deliver these devastating punches and kicks, they like transform their shape into like a wrecking ball when they smashed into certain enemies. And uh, yeah, they actually did have a lot of really cool moves. So from a gameplay perspective, that could actually be really, really fun. Yeah, and you remember there was some levels where they rappel down like a level. So you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's where they could do the wrecking ball thing. Right, so you can imagine that almost being like their recovery, and uh, while they're recovering, they could like, you know, wreck some havoc. Yeah, for sure. All right, a very interesting choice. Definitely not one that I would have picked, but very interesting indeed. Now, before we wrap this up, I did want to ask, Pete, 
we were sort of adhering to some general guidelines, you know, picking characters that, you know, should have some sort of mass appeal and some sort of major history in gaming. If you were to throw all that out the window and just be like, hey, here's six characters, just for Pete. We're not going to worry about anything else. This is just the six characters that Pete likes and wants to see in the game. Which six would you go with? Oh, so you're saying like I have a direct line to Mr. Sakurai. Like he asked me, hey, Pete. Exactly. That, that's all he cares about. He just wants to make Pete happy. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Toad has to be in there in some form, either Captain Toad or Toad. Okay. And I'm happy with that. You've got to have some pro wrestling character in there. And I think for me, I'd probably have to oh, go, don't I know it. go with Starman. All right. Solid choice. For some, uh, you know, flying cross chop. Mm. I would love, love to see some Toe Jam and Earl. Huh, interesting. <laughs> and maybe you can be one or the other. Maybe one kind of hangs out in the background while the other one's fighting. Yeah, kind of like the Pokemon. Yep. And then my choice still would be, I think, Sub-Zero if I was going to have any Mortal Kombat character in there. But I respect your Scorpion decision. Okay. I still would like to see Geralt of Rivia okay. from the Witcher franchise. Still feels like he's sorely missing. And then last but not least... I know they've put some Street Fighter characters in. I'd like to see some Zangief. Hmm. Yeah, I could definitely go for some Zangief action. Like they say, where's the Geef? <laughs> you know, I just want to see a 360 pile driver in Smash. Yes, I definitely agree with you there. All right, and what do you got? Well, you know, speaking of wanting to have pile drivers, obviously I would go ahead and choose Mike Hagar. <laughs> well, there you go. They could basically be uh, alternate costumes, Zangief and Hagar. Uh, I would also go with Professor Layton. I've been wanting to see him in for years, and that's when I still think would make a great pick. And along those same lines, I'd love to see Phoenix Wright get in there somehow. Mm. Don't really know what all his attacks would be, but I think they could do something cool along the lines they did in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Just as long as I could object you off a ledge. And naturally, you know, the one I always say off the bat is the Amazon from Pro Wrestling. Uh, that will always be my number one obscure <laughs> character I'd love to see in the game there. Face bites for everyone. I'd love to see the Amazon make it in. Then also Shantae, get some female indie representation in there. And last, and possibly least, Conquer the Squirrel from Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Oh man, now you're stretching. Oh, come on. He's more relevant than the Battletoad. What? No, nonsense. But definitely a goofy character we haven't seen much of these days. And, you know, could hit people with his frying pan and use his version of Flood to knock opponents off ledges, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if there were no rules and we were just uh, pulling out whoever we wanted, yeah, conquer the squirrel. And that's a pretty good list. So I've got to ask you, are there any characters that you just didn't mention at all that you had written down and you were like, hmm? Well, you know, one that I chose last time that I didn't include on the list this time is Dante from Devil May Cry. I could consider him a runner-up against another Swords and Guns character. You know, he can be very, very stylish and cool. And now that he's had all of his PS2 games released on Switch, mm. I feel like he's even a more viable choice than he was a year ago. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, he is my runner-up that I had not brought up thus far. You? Yeah, I just, like, <laughs> in going through all the games that I could think of, Qbert came to mind. <laughs> we can't have him in there he's got such a potty mouth <laughs> it's true it's true but yeah i just feel like he is one of those characters that's like you know notorious from the 80s that you kind of can't forget about so does he even have any offensive moves uh, jumping and swearing <laughs> uh, i suppose you've got me there <laughs> that in a blooper nanny 
Okay, well, that is a whole lot of characters that we have named there. Will any of them actually make it in? I don't know, but I certainly hope so. Will this be our last Smash Brothers episode solely about extra characters? Perhaps. I do not know. This is actually the third time I think we have talked about it on the show. You know, when the game was first announced, we did an episode about it. When they announced the DLC, we did an episode about it. When they announced the Wave 2 DLC, here we are again. But hey, it's a fun topic to discuss. And yeah, it would be awesome if we saw any of these folks in there. I think uh, a lot of characters deserve representation. So I hope they just keep on pumping out DLC as long as people will pay for it. There's a lot of cool stuff they could do. Yeah, and I'm actually secretly wondering what the listeners think. I'm curious if there's anything we've missed or something that, you know, glaringly obvious to you would be... Uh, mm. Gino? <laughs> glaringly obvious wouldn't be... Uh, mm, no. Steve? Something... Goku? <laughs> something glaringly obvious that we've missed out on, perhaps. Well, other than that, I would say that we have uh, come to a conclusion here in this week's big topic, which means it is time for us to wrap up this week's episode of the show. But before we do that, we do have time for one more thing, which is, naturally, a dramatic reading. This time, it is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Classic Snake Adventures. A reboot of the classic retro game Snake, introduced in 1997. Remade with gorgeous hand-drawn 2D art and a 3D snake. The snake's mechanics are completely new. This 3D snake can bend and change size and speed during gameplay, something you won't see in any other Snake games. (laughs) A state-of-the-art game with the retro-beloved gameplay of Snake 97. Nibble your way through 100 amazing rounds in five worlds with 20 different bosses. The quest is easy. Avoid all obstacles and eat the remaining fruit. The reptile will increase in size and speed after eating, especially if you eat the meat. Soda can make you smaller again. If you touch a turbo booster, your speed will increase rapidly for a few seconds, so try not to crash. Bonus letters appear during your nimble quest. You better get them, because if you complete the word bonus, then you will get your hearts refilled and fat bonus points. (laughs) Features. Beautiful hand-drawn 2D art. 3D snake that bends and grows. Map with five beautiful worlds. Lots of gameplay. 100 rounds. 20 bosses. Leaderboard. A state-of-the-art game with the beloved retro gameplay of Snake 97. Hmm. I feel like you chose this one just for the line, if you eat the meat. (laughs) Well, I certainly did enjoy that. (laughs) I also just like talking about the uh, gorgeous 3D snake. (laughs) There's some really bizarre, you know, choice of words in this, especially like the fat bonus points. (laughs) I also just uh, can't stop marveling at how they keep calling it a reboot of the classic retro game, when basically what they just mean is, yeah, we're just knocking off this old game. Right. I mean, you can't be like another company that makes the game and call it a reboot. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're just stealing this idea. I mean, maybe they got the license, but I really doubt that. (laughs) I suspect not. But if they did, I will totally issue a correction. And I also like how they call it Snake 97, which I don't think anyone in history has ever called it that. (laughs) No, I don't think so. 
Uh, yeah, this mean the original Snake game, but I guess what else do you call it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I also, if you look at the eShop description, I'm like marveling at the capitalization mostly. <laughs> I must have noticed that. Like leaderboard is just not a capital L for some reason. <laughs> You're right. You are right about that. And yep. then 3D, you normally always see the D capitalized. It's not. So a very conservative approach to uh, capitalization. Yes, yes indeed. Anyhow, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, the Hoff, on Twitter at Chris the Hoff, and you can find Pete at Burly Red Yeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Michaud. I'm going to practice my social distancing. And Mega Man X's good pal, Zero. Back to base! We will see you next time.